0: online. I'm Elise. And I'm Bradley. And we're so excited to be your online house for today. If this is your first time tuning in, then we are so happy for you to join us. We welcome you to text NEW to 604-285-5770 or visit mythrive.info and click on New to Thrive to receive your own Thrive-branded stainless steel water bottle. Parents, if you have children like us, head to mythrive.info and click Thrive Kids Online, for our online activities for this week. Join us for, for Zoom classes from 1045 to 1115. We have awesome teachers, and we always enjoy spending our time together, learning about the Bible, and how we can apply it to our everyday lives. We look forward to meeting your friends. That's right. Now, before we get into the message today, we want to take this opportunity to wish all the mothers at thrive a very happy Mother's Day. In Ephesians 6, 2, it says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. What's your favorite thing about your mom, Elise? I love that she teaches me how to bake. What about you, Breathly? For me, it's how she hugs me. What about all of you? What's your favorite thing about your mom? Is it the way she hugs you? Is it it her specialty dish? Is it the way she plays video games? Wait, my mom doesn't really play video games. Yeah, my mom doesn't really play video games either. But But wouldn't it be cool if they did? yeah i bet they'd be the best at Mario kart me too wait really like you actually have that game yeah that's really awesome what's your favorite character i love using today for me i like using bowser even though i don't think he's that good anyway we're talking we're getting distracted here let us know in the chat room what your favorite thing about um your mom is while we talk about video games. We're gonna hand the time over to Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene, and we're gonna see you again at the end of today's service. Bye. Bye!
1: Wow, what can I say about our online hosts today? Aren't they amazing? Welcome, everybody, to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. This is my lovely wife, Charlene. We are pastors here at Thrive Church, and we want to welcome each and every one of you to a very special Mother's Day edition of Thrive Church Online. And to all the moms and grandmas in attendance today, a very happy Mother's Day to you.
2: That's right. If this is your first time here, whether you are a mom or not, then we want to especially welcome you because you are our VIP. And so if I could ask you to go to mythrive.info and click on new to thrive, or you can also text the word new and send it to 604-285-5770, then what we want to do is we want to give you that special gift of a Thrive branded stainless steel water bottle just to thank you for joining
1: us today. That's right. So a huge welcome to all our first time guests, our VIPs. Can we give all of our VIPs a big hand, a big shout in let's play together right now. So good to have you here. In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive Church was that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we, we are. are. And so with that in mind, if you've got a chat room in front of you, would you welcome the people in your chat room? Just type something like, good morning, great to see you, happy Mother's Day to the moms. And if you're sitting beside someone today, would you give them a warm hug or a handshake or a high five or an air version of any of those three? And let's welcome one another to the house of God today.
2: And if you're a mom or grandma in this place, then we wanna wish you a happy Mother's Day and we have a special gift that we have prepared for you. So if you could go to mythrive.info and click on Mother's Day gift,
1: send us your mailing address and what we'll do is we'll put that gift in the mail as soon as we can. That's right. And so send us your mailing address. We'd love to get that gift to you as soon as possible. But in the meantime, we would love to do one more thing to honor all the mums and grandmas today. We want to share with you our Mother's Day card. Is that okay? I'm not sure if you received a Mother's Day card yet today, but here's our Mother's Day card to you from all of us here at Thrive Church. And if you're a mum or a grandma in this place, this is for you. If you're not a mum or a grandma in this place, then this is your chance to honor and celebrate the mums and grandmas in attendance. Let's read this out loud to them together right now we're going to say dearest moms and grandmas thank you for everything you do thank you for every sacrifice you have made and continue to make for your family's sake thank you for all the times and all the ways you give of yourself for your family we do not take you for granted you are heaven's gift to us you are god's precious daughter you are our pride and joy may god bless you with health for your body strength for your soul Peace for your mind, joy, and hope for your heart. May God cause you and your family to thrive in every way. We love you, God loves you, and today we honor you for who you are and everything you have done for us. Happy Mother's Day. can we give all the mums and grandmas in this place a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now.
2: Now that's a Mother's Day from all of us here at Thrive to all the moms and grandmas. And we actually have even more messages, a very special video that we have prepared for the moms from more Thrivers. And so let's take a look. One thing I appreciate about my mother is she's very good at acknowledging every issue I bring to her.
1: So one thing I appreciate about
3: my mom is how she's always there for me.
2: For noticing all of the little details and just sometimes knowing what we need before I even know it myself. The thing that I appreciate about my mom is her very caring heart and it's something that I hope to have as well in the future. And just her concern about everyone and her really generous hospitable personality. When we just order
0: takeout, when neither of us feel like cooking. One thing that I love to do with my mom is talk and laugh together.
2: One thing I love to do with my mom is dance. One
0: thing I love to do with my mom is watching movies. Going on walks with her, talking about life, sharing food with her, and just laughing. One thing I like to do with my mom is hug her in bed. She is just a core of the family and she makes good food. Because she cooks for me and picks me up from school. She really is the number one
2: supporter and encourager in my life, and she's constantly supporting me in every decision that I make.
1: I love my mom because she's very caring, very supportive, and always encouraged.
2: I love my mother for many reasons, but I think one that stands out above the rest is that she is authentically herself.
0: I love my mom because she is the best mother I could ever have.
2: Thank you for everything, for your sacrifices, for just taking care of me and my sister, and all the things that you had have, you have to endure in life just to raise me and her. And I can never thank you enough for it. Mom, I love your journey, and I love walking this journey with you. And how wonderful is it that we can walk with God
1: hand in hand. Mama, Feliz Dia de las madres. Te amo. Benetians. Shout out to my mom. I know that you are in the Philippines, so hope that you're
3: doing okay. Stay safe. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Happy
0: Mother's Day. Day. I love you, mommy.
1: Wow, what an awesome video that was! Now we know that as much as there's a lot of celebration that goes on during Mother's Day, we also know that Mother's Day for some people can be a very difficult day. Is that maybe today you uh, are you know experiencing the first Mother's Day without someone very very special in your life. Maybe you lost your mom. Maybe you lost your dad. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe you lost someone else very dear to you or for reasons beyond your control, they can't be with you right now. If that's you, then our hearts go out to you and we hope and pray that today here at the service and every time you connect with us here at Thrive Church, that you will find that this is a safe place for you, a place where you can find hope, healing, comfort, and encouragement. And if there's any way that we can be praying for you, any way we can be serving you at all, please let us know. You can, info, you can, you can email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. Would you turn to your neighbors and say, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. It is so good to have each and every one of you here at Thrive Church. And let me tell you something that's going to be happening next week, May the 16th. Because the fact is this. We believe that every single person here watching right now, you weren't made just to be a spectator at church, just to watch from a distance, but you were made to grow in your relationship with God. And that's why we've created here at Thrive Church something we call Thrive Discipleship School. It's one of the best things we've ever done and still do here at Thrive Church to help people grow in their relationship with God. And so if you are a new Christian, if you just recently got baptized, if maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, but you're just kind of stuck in a place where you're not really growing and you want to grow, you want to get out of that rut, then this Thrive Supplement School, level one and two, is for you. It's happening this coming Sunday, May the 16th. It is an online course that you can take at your convenience, wherever you are, and you're going to be doing it with others as well, and it is an amazing experience where you can get to learn the keys to growing in your relationship with God, and not just learn about them, but experience them in your life. And you, know, we've had so many people going through Thrive Disciple School, just the most recent term of it we had been different people sharing their experience. Let me share some of their experiences with you right now real quick. Uh, the one person wrote, they said, TDS, that's Thrive discipleship School, is a must for all Thrivers. It teaches the foundation of what we believe at Thrive Church. This course is easy to understand and it gives us useful tools and knowledge to grow in our relationship with God. Someone else wrote that after seven weeks, I've built a strong foundation in my relationship with God. Every session is very powerful and meaningful to me as a new Christian. TDS definitely impacts every aspect of my daily life and I'm proud to have grown up in my faith journey with TDS. Finally, someone else wrote, you might feel that TDS is a big commitment right now or maybe you're not sure if you can handle the work on top of your busy schedule. I had the same thought at first, but taking TDS was one of the best decisions I've made this year. Whether you're still learning about Christianity or you've been a follower of Christ for some time, you will be able to learn valuable tips to grow in your relationship with God. This course is so well organized and practical. I've grown in my relationship. With God in just a few weeks, and I can't wait to continue my journey with Him. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout for all the work that God is doing through TDS, Thrive, this of school? Praise God. That is awesome. That is really cool. And so if you are a new Christian, you just got baptized, you've been a part of Thrive Church for a while, but you've never taken TDS, what are you waiting for? I encourage you to make the most of the opportunity. You can sign up at mythrive.info. For more information on TDS, you can go there as well. It's happening next week, May 16th, this coming Sunday. Turn your neighbor and say, I can't wait for TDS. I can't wait for TDS. It just might be one of the best decisions you make all year. Well, here we go. Today, we're getting into the message, and I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles right now. And what we're going to do is this is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message together. And so, if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. But if you did bring a Bible, it's time to get that out. Let's make this proclamation together as we do so in faith. Let's say this together right now. We're going to say, This is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Well, hey, let's get into the message today. We're doing a series here at Thrive Church. It is called Waiting for Sunrise. Everyone say Waiting for Sunrise. And this series called Waiting for Sunrise is about how do you keep your hope alive in a season of waiting? See, maybe you're in a season of waiting right now where you're waiting for good news to come and you're still waiting. The fact is we're all waiting right now. We're all waiting for coronavirus cases to hopefully go further and further down. We're hoping that this pandemic will be a thing of the past. We're hoping we can go back to life, uh, you know, that was before the pandemic or as normal as it can be. Or maybe you're in this place and you are waiting in some other ways. Maybe. Maybe you're waiting when it comes to your health or the health of someone you love. Maybe you've got a problem that you're facing that you don't have a solution for right now and you're just hoping and praying for a solution to it. Whatever the case may be, maybe you are in a place right now where you're waiting and it is tough. This series is for you. We're talking about waiting for sunrise. How do you keep your hope alive in a season of waiting? And we're learning all about that in a powerful book from the Bible called Isaiah. And we've had an amazing time in this book so far. Today, we are incredibly blessed to have someone very, very special bring the message to us today. Let me just introduce her to you this way, is that she is one of the biggest reasons why we have Thrive Church in the first place, because she's been here from the very beginning. And she's also one of the biggest reasons why I am the luckiest guy in the world. She comes to us with a blessing every time she brings the message to us. And you're gonna be so encouraged by what you hear. And so would you give it up for the one and the only Pastor Charlene as she brings the message to us on this very special Mother's Day service. Let's give it up for her right now. Praise God.
2: Hello, Thrive Church. What a joy it is for me to share today's message with you. Again, I want to wish all the moms and all the grandmas a very, very happy Mother's Day. If this is your first time at Thrive, or maybe this is your first time at church, or you're, or you're new to the Bible, or you're new to faith, or you don't have any faith at all, we are so glad that you are here. Thank you for joining Thrive Church today. You know, it's hard to believe that the pandemic has lasted over a year now. Several weeks ago, just when we thought that the pandemic should be over by now, the, you know, we started to see that COVID cases started to climb back up and we started to see the restrictions tightening up again. And I think if there's one word that describes the way that we all feel right now, it's the word fatigued. It's that we are tired of all the restrictions. We are tired of not being able to eat freely At restaurants, we are tired of not being able to travel. We are tired of not being able to see our family and friends. I think all of us are just tired. And we're just worn out by all the different restrictions and changes that have had to take place because of COVID. But here's the thing. If we want any sort of normality to return into our lives, the only thing that we can do is wait. And it's so frustrating because whether you're old or you're young, nobody likes to wait. You know, Pastor JB and I—we have two, two. We have two sons, and our younger one is two and a half. And over the last half year, this two and a half year old has really been developing in his speech, and he's just talking up a storm these days. And if there's one phrase that I would say is probably his favorite phrase right now, it's the phrase. I cannot wait. And he says it really cutely with his baby accent, I cannot wait. And this is usually how it plays out. See, he will come up to me with his drawing pad and he'll say, mommy, draw, is usually in a command. Mommy, draw. Or you know, he'll come up with a book and he'll say, mommy, read. Or sometimes he'll say, mommy, can I go to the park? And he'll usually ask me these questions when either I'm in the middle of working or I'm in the middle of cooking, or maybe it's 5 a.m. and I'm actually sleeping. And so usually this is how it plays out. I look at him and I say, Caleb, could you please wait? And then he'll look at me and go, I cannot wait! And see, that's actually a good day, right? Because on days when he's actually really impatient, then this is what he goes: he goes, "I cannot wait. I want it or I need it right now." And uh, and you know, the fact is, you just can't reason with a two and a half year old. But why am I sharing this with you? It's because it's because nobody, none of us likes to wait. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait in traffic, and we just don't like to wait. And. I think one of the hardest things, I think one of the hardest things to wait for in life is actually to wait for an answer from God. I mean, have you ever been in a place where you're in a hurry and God is clearly not? I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in that place very often. And in fact, maybe that's the way that you're feeling right now. You know, maybe you've been waiting for a change in a relationship and nothing seems to be changing. Or maybe, you know, you've been waiting for an opportunity, but all the doors are just tightly shut. Or maybe you've been waiting for your health or the health of someone that you love to improve, but it just seems to be worsening. Or maybe you're single in this place and you're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to show up, but they just seem to be nowhere in sight. You know. The fact, like, if that's you today, then I want to let you know that you are not alone in feeling impatient. It's so hard to wait, especially when things are not moving as fast as you'd like them to. But here's the thing did you know that one of the hardest things, one of the greatest steps of faith that you can possibly take is to wait? It's because it takes so much more courage, it takes so much more patience, it takes so much more strength, endurance, and perseverance to wait than to just go out and do something impulsively. And it's for that reason that today's message is called Faith Waits. You know, over the past several weeks, we've been doing a series here at Thrive called Waiting for Sunrise. And we've been looking at the book of Isaiah and learning ways to find hope, especially in those times of waiting. And today we're going to continue the series by looking at a passage in Isaiah 30. And I want us to read Isaiah 30, verse 1 to 5 together. Are you guys ready? Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge, but Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame, Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace, though they have officials in Zoan and their envoys have arrived in Hanes, everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace." You see, what is this passage talking about? Let me give you a little bit of background on Isaiah 30. See, in the book of Isaiah, there's a prophet named Isaiah who's been commissioned, who's been you know, sent by God to minister to the southern kingdom of Judah. And in this particular chapter, Isaiah had a lot to say to the capital city of Judah called Jerusalem. And during this time, the king who was leading Judah, his name was King Hezekiah. And according to the Bible, he was actually a relatively good king. You see, in 2 Kings 18.5, the Bible tells us that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and that there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. So you see from the Bible, we know that Hezekiah was someone who really, really sought to honor God with his life. Spiritually in the Bible is recorded that he swept in great spiritual revivals by breaking down all the pagan altars, by smashing the pagan idols, by reopening the temple of God, by you know reassigning the duties of the priests and reinstating the principle of tithing. And the Bible says that he trusted the Lord and that he was a great king. Now, if the Bible says that you are a great king, that's pretty high praise you are a pretty good king. But here's the thing. You see, it's not to say that he was perfect, because everyone makes mistakes, including King Hezekiah. And in fact, one of the biggest mistakes that Hezekiah made in his reign was recorded right here in chapter 30. You see, during the reign of Hezekiah, the Assyrians were the major threat in the world. And if there's a modern day equivalent of Assyria, like a movie equivalent of Assyria, it would probably be Godzilla. See, Assyria was strong, it was powerful, and the Assyrians, they were on a mission to dominate the world. So up until King Hezekiah's reign, everyone was so scared of fighting Assyria, including King, um, including Hezekiah's dad, King Ahaz. And so what King Ahaz did was he said, you know what, Assyria, let's not even fight. Like, I'm not even going to try to fight you. What am i am going to do is I'm just going to pay you. I'm going to pay you money so that you would not bother us and so that you would give us peace. And that was actually how Judah had peace for many years. But you see, Hezekiah, he was a different man. He wanted to do what pleased the Lord, and he didn't want to do what his dad did, which was, which was to pay off the Assyrians. And so the fact is he had very noble and admirable intentions. But when he saw that the northern kingdom of Israel was completely demolished, and when he saw that all the neighboring cities around Jerusalem in Judah, that they were completely captured, do you know what happened? He got really scared. And he caved. Now, this is what he did. See, out of fear, he decided to stop consulting God and he decided that he would take this matter into his own hands. And so instead of looking to God for help and protection, he ran to the Egyptians, who at that time were considered very powerful because they had the superior weapons, they had the chariots, and they had the horses. And he thought that if if Judah allied with Egypt, that they would be able to overcome Assyria. And that's why in Isaiah verse 1, it says, woe to you, Jerusalem. See, what happened was he went to um, he went to Egypt, but that got made God really, really, really mad. Right? God was, and God was not mad because it was Egypt. Like God had no problems with Egypt, but God was really mad because He did not like the fact that Judah didn't trust Him. That's why God says, "Woe to you, Jerusalem! You decided to form an alliance with Egypt without consulting Me first. You think that Pharaoh and his powerful weapons are better than God? You think Pharaoh is going to get you out of this mess? Well, that's just foolishness because the Egyptians will." Will neither help you nor give you any advantage, but only shame and disgrace. And that's what Isaiah, if I had to paraphrase it, that's what the first five verses of Isaiah 30 was talking about. Now you see, I'm not sharing this with you because I want to be pointing fingers at Hezekiah and go, "Look at what a coward he was!" I don't. Th- I don't think that at all. In fact, you know, I really think that the, the reason why this was even recorded in the Bible is because God wanted to show us that the Bible had people who were just like you and me, and that we all are humans and that we all have weaknesses. In fact, when I read about Hezekiah's mistake, I actually can't help but think about all of those times when I have been scared and when I have caved in and made decisions out of fear. And Hezekiah was clearly someone who honored God, and yet, even someone someone as godly as him could fall into the pit of fear. And so what do we do to avoid making the same mistake? You know, I believe the answer is right here in verse 15 to 18 in chapter 30. I want you to read it together with me. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill and yet the lord longs to be gracious to you therefore he will rise up to show you compassion for the lord is a god of justice blessed are all who wait for him you know if you have your bible in front of you that i want you to underline verse 18 blessed are all who wait for him you see, today we're gonna to unpack. We're gonna unpack Isaiah 30, verse 15. And I'm gonna share with you four keys for waiting in faith so that we can be blessed by God. And in the process of learning these learning these four keys, I want to show you why it is so much more effective, why it is so much more blessed when we wait for God than when we take matters into our own hands and do things our way. Are you guys ready? ready. Key number one. Key number one, it's to renew your mind with God's truth. In verse 15, which we just read, it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Now, if you have your Bible in front of you, I want you to circle the word repentance because the first key comes from the word repentance. You know, sometimes when we think about the word repentance, we have a really bad association with it. You know, we think of it as something that's really scary, something that's unappealing, like some guy who's holding up a sign in the corner that says, turn or burn because the end is near. But you see that's actually not what repent is all about to repent simply means to change the way you think and align your way align your, the way you think with the way that God thinks it means that you used to approach a situation your own way and now you are trying to approach it with god 's way you see let me tell you a story when I was in first year university, I went to an all women 's college and I I didn't choose the school because it was an all-women's college. I chose the school because of its academic reputation. And uh, my parents, on the other hand, I think they might have chosen the school because they didn't want me to date. Well, anyways, in my first year, I met a guy, and I met this guy, and we started to date, and we didn't date for very long at all, because by the end of that year, you know, he was in fourth year, he had signed a contract, and he was off to another city, and so we decided to break off that relationship. The fact is, you know, that relationship never would have lasted. Um, There were just so many red flags looking back, and never would have lasted, but at that time, it really did leave my heart pretty shattered, and it took me quite a while to recover from it, but it was also in that time of heartbreak that I really started to ask God questions about dating. You know, I used to think that dating was kind of fun. You know, you get to meet um, a guy and you get to know him in a deeper way, right? And I thought that was actually maybe something that just people do in order to think about what who they wanna marry in the future. But after that heartbreak, I was like, God, like this is not fun at all. And so I started to ask God, like, what is the purpose of dating? And it took, and you know, I, I don't understand because if, what it takes for me to find my future husband or to get married one day is to date a person and um, and break up with every single person that I'm not meant to marry. Like I just don't want to go through that because it sounds really really painful to me, and it just didn't make any sense to me. And so I started to look for answers in the Bible. And you see, when I started to look into the Bible, this is what I found. You know, instead of worrying about my future, I learned in Matthew 6-8 that Jesus already knows my needs, even before I ask him, and that there was no need for me to worry. You know, I, I found um, that instead of trying to actively search for my future husband, I learned from Jeremiah 29, 11, that God already has a plan for me. And that plan includes someone that I would one day marry. Instead of dating different guys, I learned from the Bible in Matthew six eleven that when I put God's kingdom first, that everything else I need would be added to me. And of course, that includes my future and my husband. And so at that time, I remember other than the Bible, I also read some books on dating. And uh, there was one book in particular that Truly revolutionized the way that I looked at dating. And it was this book called Lady in Waiting. And in this book, it doesn't talk about how, you know, being a lady in waiting means you put on sackcloth and you go, Whoa, is me, boyfriendless, whoa, is me. Like, it's not like that at all. And in fact, this is what I learned from the book. It says, You know, being a lady in waiting is not so much focusing on the characteristics of what Mr. Wright should possess as it is about just me being building my character and developing my own godly character. You know, it says, being a lady in waiting is not so much about getting to know different guys and picking the best one in the end to marry, as it is just about growing in my relationship with God. And it says, being a lady in waiting is not even about searching for Mr. Right, as it is just about trusting that God would provide and for my every single need. And as I allowed the truth of God to renew the way I looked at dating, gradually I just started to gain a peace and a confidence in my heart about the situation. So I remember there was one day, you know, I decided that I would kneel down by my bed and that I would say a prayer to God. And this was a pretty crazy prayer looking back. But what I said to God was, you know what, God, I think I'm done with dating. In fact, you know what? I'm going to commit six months of no dating. And I'm just going to trust that at the end of the six months that you are going to bring me my future husband when the time is right. And the thing is this wasn't just a thought or a belief that I had in my head or in my heart. This was actually something that really permeated into my lifestyle. And so I remember, you know, I went to an all-girls school. And so on the weekends, in order for us to meet guys, what we had to do is we'd have to join some social events with, you know, the co-ed neighboring schools. And, um, And so instead of doing that, instead of my spending my weekends going to these social events, what I would do is I would actually spend time with girls in my dorm. And I would spend time with girls in my small group. And I would just try to get to know them and, you know, have fun with them. And I would say that some of my best friends have grown out of that season. Even some of my best friends to this day have grown out of that season. And instead of going on dates um, with with guys, this is what I did. I actually ended up going on dates with God. And what I would do is I would take my Bible and I would just go and sit in a coffee shop and I would just stay there and I would just study God's word. And, um, you know, if there's one word to describe just the way that I felt during that season, I think it's the word content. I was just really content to have God in my life. I was extremely content to not date, and I was just really happy with just the way that things were in my life. And um, you know, the, the thing is, I ended up not dating for six months, and it turned into twelve months. It turned into eighteen months until eventually God miraculously brought JB into my life, and um, you know, everything just went down the downhill from there. <laughs> but why am I sharing this story with you? It's because. Okay, well, this is this is this is not the reason why I'm sharing this story with you. I'm not sharing this story with you to encourage you guys not to date. In fact, if you are single in this place, you should date. I really think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Even online dating, I think when you do it wisely, when you do it thoughtfully, when you do it carefully, I think those are all good things. And the way that God writes my story is gonna be different from the way that God writes your story. But the most important thing to keep in mind is that you need to align the way that you think about dating with the way that God God thinks about dating. You need to align the way that you think about marriage and think about future and family with the way that God thinks about future marriage and family. Because if you don't align yourself with God's thinking, then you're going to end up marrying the wrong person. In the same way, if you want to see change in your circumstance, the first thing that you need to do is change the way you think. Romans 12 too, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, in order to see change, your mind needs to be first renewed by God and transformed by God's word and his truth. And you need to align yourself, your thinking with the way that God thinks because God is so much more interested in in changing the way you think than changing your circumstance. You know, God could have easily delivered Assyria or, or delivered Judah from Assyria from day one, but God didn't do that. Why? It's because God was waiting for Judah to change their way that they think about God. God was waiting for Judah to trust in Him, and God was not so much interested about changing their circumstance as it was about just wanting them to, ch- like wanting them to think about trusting Him. What about you? You know, is there a situation where you've been waiting for a change to take place, but nothing is happening? Can I tell you something? It's very possible that while you think you are waiting for God, that God is actually waiting for you. That God is actually waiting for your spiritual muscles to grow. That God is actually waiting for you to change the way that you think about the situation. And that God is actually waiting for you to be ready so that when he brings about that change, that you will be ready for it. And so rather than focusing on your circumstance, take the first step and renew your mind with God's truth, because when you do, you will develop patience, you will find contentment, and you will find strength, and you will gain a peace that surpasses all understanding in your time of waiting. And if you believe that, say amen. 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 Key number two. Key number two is to rest in God's goodness. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. If you have your Bible in front of you, I want you to circle the word rest. You know, in this chapter of Isaiah, Judah's been doing everything but resting. Instead of trusting in God's ability to to deliver them from Assyria, we read in verse 6 that Judah is saddling up their donkey and their camel to do what? To actually carry loads and loads of money to go down to Egypt to persuade Egypt to become their allies and to help them with fighting Assyria. Then in verse 10 to 11, Judah is not resting. Instead, they're actively pushing away God's prophet and saying, give us no more visions of what is right. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel, we don't want to hear any more prophecies from you. Judah was so busy carrying out their own plan and that they did not rest in God at all. And what happened was they dug a really, really, really big hole for themselves. You see from 2nd King 18, where it talks about Hezekiah's reign, we learn from the moment that Hezekiah decided he would follow his own plan, that everything just went downhill from there. You see, first, his grandiose plan of relying on the Egyptians completely failed. And so Hezekiah did something which he vowed he would never do. He vowed that he would never pay off the Assyrians like the way his dad did. But that was exactly what he ended up doing. You see, the Bible says that he gave 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold to Assyria so they wouldn't destroy Jerusalem. Now that's the modern day equivalent of approximately 35 to 40 million dollars. And what made it even worse was that Hezekiah actually didn't have enough money himself, and so he actually took gold, and he stole money from God's temple in order to give it to Assyria. And even at the end of squandering all that money, compromising his own beliefs and values, sacrificing his relationship with God and his credibility with the people of Judah, the Assyrian army, they still mocked him. They still humiliated him. They intimidated the people of Judah. And the worst thing of all was they actually insulted God. And this is the thing that blows my mind. You see, Hezekiah did so many stupid things. Judah did so many stupid, crazy, foolish things. And yet, at the end of it all, as foolish as God thought Hezekiah was, he showed him so much grace. You see, in fact, even after knowing that Hezekiah would rebel against him and do all these foolish things, the Bible says in verse 18, yet, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. What an incredibly loving, gracious, and compassionate God we have. You know, I don't know about you, but I know that if my kids rebelled against me that way, graciousness, compassion would definitely not be on the top of my mind. In fact, I don't even know if they would be even in my mind at all. But God responded with such incredible love and grace. And I believe that there are three things which we can learn from this passage. The first thing that we learn is that God longs to be gracious to you. You know, He doesn't want you to go through all that unnecessary trouble when you take matters into your own hands. All He wants to do is for you to rest in his goodness. And He, like the fact that he is everything you need, that's the knowledge that he wants you to have about him. He wants you to know that you can just completely depend on him and rely on him. The second thing I believe this passage shows us is that God rises to show you compassion. Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. It's the fact that even when we have gotten to the very bottom of our barrel, even when we are exhausted and we we have completely exhausted all of our resources and, and we've done everything that we can and there's nothing more we can do, God doesn't shame us. He doesn't say, I told you so. He simply says, I've been waiting here for you and come let me help you because I love you. The third thing that we learn, the third thing we learn from this passage is that God blesses those who wait for him. You know, like God, the the thing we learn is that when we wait for God to deliver us, he will only bless us and not harm us. And that's the kind of God that we have. A God who wants to have a relationship with us. A God who wants to help us. A God who wants to show us his grace and compassion. Can I share another story with you? You know, several years ago, Um, Pastor JB and I got married. No, not several years ago. It's actually 18 years ago. 18 years ago. It's crazy. I know. We got married when we were nine. And, um, you know, I'd been away from my family at that time for a very long time. And uh, Pastor JB has never been to Taiwan. We'd just gotten married and we didn't really, um, we weren't really tied down to anything here in Vancouver at that time. And so we thought, you know what, this would be a really good time for us to be traveling. And this would be a good time for us to just live abroad for a short period of time and experience what that would you know what what that would be like as a couple and so during our time there you know we found jobs we joined a local church and we got to spend time with family we got to make some new friends and gradually a few months actually turned into a year and a few years after that and I remember um, about three years into our stay in Taiwan um, JB and I decided that we would actually pray about when whether it was time to come back to Vancouver and to be honest I didn't want to come back to Vancouver. I really loved living in Taiwan. I liked the jobs that we were having. I liked our church family. I loved my family. I loved the new life that we had in Taiwan. And I just wasn't ready to come back. But I still decided that I would pray about it. And so I remember um, moments into praying, you know, I thought maybe God would actually be on my side and he would actually like support the way that I feel about staying in Taiwan. And so I started to pray. And I remember moments into praying, I got this really strong sense in my heart from God telling me that it was time to come back to Vancouver. And I was not happy. I remember I was kicking, I was crying, I was on my bed, praying and I was just like, no, like, Lord, this is not what I want. This is not what I want to hear from you. And I just remember saying, you know, God, like, I know you want us to move back, but what about like our jobs in Taiwan? But what about my family in Taiwan? But what about our church in Taiwan? You know, what about our friends in Taiwan? But like, what are we going to do here? Like, and I just kept going on and on with such a long list of buts before God. And I just, I distinctly remember at the end of my rant, God spoke to my heart and said, why do you not trust that I will take care of you in Vancouver? Like, why do you not trust that I have a good plan for your future? And why, like, why, do you, why can you not trust me that I actually have a plan to prosper you? And how many more buts will you list before you will actually rely on me? And that stopped my rant. You know, for some reason, I started to think back to all the different moves that I've made in my life, and I've made many moves up to that point. You know, I've moved from Taiwan to Vancouver when I was eight um, with my family. You know, I moved from Vancouver to uh, to Boston to study. Then I moved from Boston to New York to work. Then I moved from uh, New York back to Vancouver, Vancouver to Taiwan. And I've made many, many moves in my life. And when I think back to each and every single one of those moves, the fact is, I didn't wanna go anywhere. Like I always just wanted to stay where I was, but it was really God who just kind of said, you know, no, like here you go, let's go. And so I usually go. And when I look back at all of those different moves that I've made, I can't help but think of just all the ways that God's been so good to me. In fact, he provided for me beyond ways that I couldn't even planned or imagined for myself. And so God was like, you know, why do you not trust that I will do the same with this next move from Taiwan back to Vancouver? And I remember in the end, Pastor JB and I decided that we would move back to Vancouver at the end of that year. And for me, I think what truly gave me the courage, what gave me the confidence to move, it was simply to remember all the ways that God has taken care of me throughout my life. And I knew that I didn't need to worry because all I needed to do was to rest in his goodness, and if for some reason you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, that's really good for you, Pastor Sharp, but I don't know how God has been good to me. I can't remember. You know, if for some reason you can't remember how God has been good to you, can I tell you something? You know, the fact is, long before you even thought about God, God was already thinking about you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. When you were separated from him, he actually sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be reconciled, so that you could be forgiven. And the greatest evidence of God's goodness in our lives is the cross where Jesus died. Not only did Jesus die, but He also rose again from the grave three days later to prove that He really was who He says He was, which is the Son of God. And if you would open up your heart to receive Him, the Bible says that you are forgiven and that you are reconciled in your relationship with God and that you become a child of God and a citizen of heaven. And that is the goodness of God in our lives. And so if you are in a situation where you're having trouble continuing to wait and you're having trouble remembering what is God's goodness for my life, then let me tell you, the cross is the greatest evidence of God's goodness in your life. Resting in God means that we focus on God's unlimited unlimited abilities instead of focusing on our limited abilities. Resting in God means that we believe and trust that He has a good plan for us. And here's my question for you. You know, is there an area in your life where you need to just rest in God's goodness today? Key number three. Key number three is to remain quiet in God's presence. Now, Isaiah 30, 15 says, In quietness and trust shall be your strength. And if you're in front of your Bible, then I want you to circle the word quietness. I believe that there are two ways that we can remain quiet in the presence of God in a time of waiting. The first way is what I would call just do not complain. Psalm 37, 7 says, "'Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, but when they carry out their wicked schemes.'" You see, when we find ourselves in a very difficult time of waiting for God to answer, the Bible teaches us that we just need to be still and remain quiet and not complain. See, the first reason, let me give you a few reasons why you shouldn't complain. The first reason you shouldn't complain is because your words create your world. You see, when you complain, you are sowing negative words and negativity into your world. And if you think that your situation is bad, then what you're doing is you're actually making it worse. And so don't complain. Keep trusting because the Bible says your quietness will be your strength in waiting. The second reason that you should not complain is because it just shows spiritual immaturity. You know, babies are the only ones who are whining and who are crying all the time when they don't get things their way. And so when we do that, we're actually showing that we are spiritual babies, and so don't complain. The third reason why we should not complain is because it communicates that we just don't trust God. You see, when we complain about our situation, what it communicates to the people around us is that we don't trust our own God, that we think our God is weak, and that we don't think God is going to be able to pull through for us. And that's a terrible testimony to share with the people around us, and it doesn't help the situation. So if you want to receive God's blessing for your life, then don't complain. Wait quietly for God to reveal the answer to your prayer. The second way, the second way which I believe we can remain quiet in God's presence is to not retaliate. You see, when Judah was under attack by Assyria, do you know how God delivered them? It was crazy because after Hezekiah, he finally decided to repent, to come before God and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all the ways that I've been so foolish. Please help me. When Hezekiah finally repented before God. God showed up for him and Judah in a huge, huge way. You see, later on in Isaiah 37, the Bible tells us that God with his angels single-handedly took out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers overnight. In fact, the people of Jerusalem woke up the next day, they look to their left and to their right, and there were all these dead Assyrians, and it was just a sea of dead bodies around them, and Judah didn't have to do anything. God did it all. And so what can we learn from this? It's that when people hurt us or insult us, we don't need to retaliate. Because the fact is, you really don't need to fight evil for evil because God is already on your side. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should never speak up for injustice because, um, you know, like when you see injustice, like that you should never speak up. I'm I'm not saying that at all. In fact, like when you see injustice or when you go through injustice yourself, you should speak up. But it's so important to do it in love. It's so important to do it wisely. And it's so important to communicate lovingly and well about it. And that's what the Bible is talking about in having a quiet spirit. You see, having a quiet quiet spirit doesn't mean that we don't say anything at all. It doesn't mean that we bottle everything up and we just never speak a word. Having a quiet spirit means that you're not in the habit of complaining that you don't retaliate that you're not in the habit of retaliating when something goes wrong but that you communicate wisely and thoughtfully and lovingly while you believe that God is in control. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. You know, is there a situation in your life where you can benefit from remaining quiet in God's presence? Yeah. Key number 4. This is the last key and we're going to end today. You see, Isaiah 30, 15 says in quietness and trust is our strength. If you're in front of your Bible, then I want you to circle the word trust because the fourth key comes from trust. To trust in God means to rely on the promises that he has for our lives. Share one last story with you from my life today. You know, about three years ago, I was pregnant with Caleb, who's two and a half now. And the pregnancy started out quite well. In fact, I thought I was very healthy. I was still exercising and I was still able to, you know, do my normal things. I didn't actually feel um, any morning sickness and I was feeling great. And at that time, I was pretty confident that I was healthy and that the baby was healthy. But things really took a turn about halfway through my pregnancy one time at an ultrasound appointment, really was just to look at me, um, not, not even to look at my baby. The doctor incidentally saw that the baby's neck was larger than usual. And so I remember the doctor decided to actually take some real measurements of the baby's neck. And what happened was there appeared to be a lump on his thyroid, which they called a goiter. And the doctor was very concerned because if the goiter continues to grow and if the goiter gets too big, then what happens is that the baby might not be able to breathe on his own when he's born. And so over the next few days, the hospital arranged for me to um, get more testing done. They arranged for me to see a team of specialists. And all of a sudden, I went from being a pretty normal, typical pregnant patient to now being a high-risk patient who is now being monitored at the hospital on a weekly basis. And I don't think I've ever been that scared in my life. I don't think I've ever been that scared about my future. And the hardest part was that there was absolutely nothing that I could do. Because I remember you know, we were talking to the specialist, and we said, is there anything that we can do? Like, are there, Is there medication that we can take? Is there a treatment? that I can do or the baby can do. And the doctor just looked at us and said, no, like right now, the only thing that we can do is to wait because everything else would just be unsafe during pregnancy. And so I just started to pray. You know, for the next several weeks, about 18 weeks, I dug out every single verse in the Bible that I could find which spoke to God's promise for me and my baby. In fact, I kept a journal of all of my prayers. And when I looked it up the other day, my journal was filled with prayers claiming God's promises for me and my baby. And I thought I'd share some of my journal excerpts with you. Is that okay? And so, you know, when I was dealing with a lot of worries, a lot of fears in my heart, these are some of the verses that I wrote down. On February 23rd, 2017, I quoted from Philippians 4.6, and I wrote a prayer, and I said, I declare that I will not be anxious about the baby's health. Instead, through prayer and petition, I will present all my requests to you and believe that your peace that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I quoted from Isaiah 41.10, and I said, I will not fear because I know that you are with me. I will not be dismayed for you are my God. You will strengthen me and help me. You will uphold me with your righteous right hand. On February 25th, 2017, I said from Psalm 18.30, your word says that your way is perfect, that your word is flawless and that you shield all who take refuge in you. So even on those days when I cannot explain why things are the way they are, I still believe and trust that your ways are perfect. When I was facing a lot of fears about my baby's health, these are some verses that I wrote down. You know, from Psalm 139, 13 to 14, I said, Lord, I thank you that you created my baby's inmost being and that you knit him together in my womb. Your word says that the baby is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I claim your promise today that baby is wonderful, that he is healthy, and that he has no sickness. From Jeremiah 30, 17, I I wrote, "'I proclaim your word, which says that you will restore baby to health and heal his wounds. And so I ask that you would shrink his thyroid goiter and cause it to disappear. That baby would be able to breathe on his own at birth, and his thyroid level would be completely normal.'" Then from Philippians 1, 6, I said, I know that you created this baby. And your word says that you who began a good work will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So I put my trust in you, knowing that because you created this baby, that you will also take good care of him, deliver him from all sickness, and allow him to grow up to be a happy and healthy boy. You know, what I just read to you are just excerpts from two days worth of my journal. And over the next several months until Caleb was born, that was actually how I found strength in facing all of my fears. That was how I found strength in facing and dealing with all of the worries that I had. And it was actually the only thing that gave me any glimpses of hope. And praise God, you know, in July of 20 uh, in July of 2018, you know, Caleb came out. And I still remember that day. I delivered Caleb in the Children's Hospital. I was originally supposed to be at the BC Women's Hospital, but they actually put me in the high-risk delivery unit in the Children's Hospital because they wanted to make sure that all the doctors, all the specialist doctors would be on site when Caleb is born because they were so afraid that what if he can't breathe? Like, what if something goes wrong? And so I was right in the high-risk delivery unit. And the moment that Caleb came out, I remember the doctor told Took him and they just started feeling him out. And they were just like trying to, you know, feel his neck. And they were trying to feel the lump. And several minutes later, we're just waiting, we're waiting, we're trying to find out like what is going on. The doctor turns around and he goes, We can't find any lump on Caleb's neck. Praise God. On that day, Caleb was born healthy, and to this day, he is a happy and he is a healthy boy. Let's go give our God a big hand praise God. You know, why am I sharing this story with you? It's because in those times when you are waiting on God for an answer, one of the most powerful things is to pray and to rely on God's promises. The Bible has over 3,000 promises for you and for me. And so instead of worrying and living in fear and defeat, you can rely on the promises of God. And that's why in Isaiah thirty fifteen it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust, Is your strength. You know, today we've looked at four keys to waiting in faith. You might feel like you've been waiting for such a long time in your circumstance. You might feel like you're just ready to give up. Can I share something with you? I want to share a verse with you from Habakkuk, um, chapter 3, verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 3. And I especially love the contemporary English version of it because it says, At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. You know, if you've been waiting for a very long time, don't give up because God's word in Habakkuk says that he will come through for you. Maybe it's not exactly in the way that you imagined. Maybe it's not at the exact time that you had imagined, but God will definitely come through for you and through it, he will bless you. And so in this time of waiting, you know, I believe there are four things four things that we can do and four things they all start with a letter r that we just talked about you can renew your mind with God's truth you can rest in God's goodness you can remain quiet in God's presence and you can rely on God's promises and when you do these things and wait on God his word in Isaiah 30:18 it says that the Lord will be gracious to you that the Lord will show you compassion because blessed are all who wait for him right now I want to give us a chance, an opportunity to respond to God. Because how many of you know that we are here not simply to receive information, but we are here to experience transformation. And the greatest trans- transformation that can happen, the greatest change that can happen in our lives is when we receive Jesus and His forgiveness in our lives. Because in love, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and for me so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to God. And the Bible says that when we receive Jesus into our lives, when we accept His forgiveness, that we will automatically become children of God and citizens of heaven. And so if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, then we want to give you an opportunity to do that today, because we want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life and receive that forgiveness and have that relationship with God. And so what you can do is you can scan the QR code on the screen or click on the link that is in chat room, and it will take you to a page where you can pray a prayer to receive Jesus and his forgiveness into your life. And so just so you're not doing this alone, I'm going to do it with you. And so go ahead, you can click on the QR code, you can click on the link, and we're going to pray together. We're going to say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins, and rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust, not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you pray that prayer for the first time today, then congratulations because the Bible says that you are now forgiven of your sins and that you are a child of God. I encourage you to keep coming to church because every baby needs a family. And here at Thrive Church, we would love to be your family. You know, I encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is, there's no magic to it. It's simply our way of saying, I believe in Jesus. And so if you receive that prayer today for the first time, congratulations. You know, there's a second group of people that I want to be praying for. Maybe you've been sitting in God's waiting room for a very, very long time. Maybe you've been waiting for change to take place in your life. Maybe you've been waiting for an opportunity to open up. Maybe you've been waiting for a problem to be solved. Or maybe you've been waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to show up. If that's you today, then I invite you to pray with me. Are you guys ready? Let's bow our head and let's pray together. Lord, I surrender my burden and my problem today into your hands. I know that you love me and that you have a plan to prosper me in my life. So I ask you to give me patience as I wait for your answer. Today, I choose to continue to wait on you. Help me to renew my mind with your truths. Help me to rest in the knowledge of your goodness. Help me to remain quiet by not complaining and not retaliating when things don't go my way. And help me to rely on your promises because I know that when I do these things, you will extend me your grace, You will rise to show me compassion, and you will bless me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our God a really big hand and a big shout in this place today. Praise God. And I hand the time over now to our worship team who's going to be leading us in a song.
3: Demon, what was lost and all that could have been Oh, this is a healing
1: give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. What a powerful message we heard just now from Pastor Charlene. What uh, an awesome song we just sang together with the worship team. Right now, as we close off our service, I wanna invite those of you who call Thrive Church your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here at Thrive, to give your faithful tithes and your generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, He adds what? He adds everything we need. And not only does He add everything we need, but He builds His church through us. In fact, just a week ago, we were talking a bit about this, the the crazy things that are going on in India right now with the surge in COVID cases. And we announced last week how when you give of your tithes and offerings here Throughout church, that a portion of it will be going to an orphanage in India, so that through the partnership that we have with Gateway Ministries International and Zion Faith Ministries in India, we're going to be taking care of about 100 orphans who are living in India right now. And, you know, on Mother's Day, when we celebrate moms and honor moms, I couldn't think of a more meaningful way that we can make the most of this day than by taking care of orphans who've lost their mom and lost their dad. And so I want to encourage you to give faithfully, give generously so we know that when we do so, we're not just building the local church here, but we're participating in God's work around the world. If you believe that, say amen. And so thank you so much in advance for giving. Go to mythrob.info to give. Let's close off with this prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this amazing Sunday that we can come into your presence, honor and celebrate our moms, but at the same time, remember that you are a God who is good, and you're a God who gives us amazing gifts. And today, whether we have uh, them with us or not, we thank you for the gift of our moms. We thank you for the gift of our grandmothers. We thank you for the mother figures in our lives that you've used in our lives for the gift that they are to us and the difference that they've made. We pray for all the moms and grandmas who are in attendance today. Thank you, God, that you know them inside out. You see every tear that they shed. You love them just the way they are. And Father, we just pray for strength, peace, joy, hope, wisdom to fill their lives as they go into the season, knowing that with you, they have everything that they need. And for all of us here who are going through a time of waiting, we thank you that we're not waiting alone, that we have you with us, and that we can have hope in the waiting because you are here. Would you help us every day to renew our minds with your truth would help us every day to rest in your goodness knowing that you are a good God would you help us to refuse to complain and refuse to retaliate but to rely on your promise that you are with us and that the best is yet to come and so we thank you today and since everything is for you it's all about you Jesus we pray to help every single person live for your glory would you provide them today with your presence your peace your protection your provision, your supply, your healing, your comfort, your rest, joy, strength, wisdom, and your Holy Spirit until we next meet again. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 praise God. That brings our service to a close, but we're, our worship of God continues into the week. Let's continue to give God our very best in all that we do, because he gave Jesus for us. I'm gonna hand it back now to our amazing online hosts, and we're gonna wish you guys a very happy Mother's Day. To all the moms and grandmas, have an amazing start to your week, everybody. God loves you, we love you. Praise God, the best is yet to come. Stay tuned next week for the continuation of our series called Waiting for Sunrise. You don't wanna miss it. We'll see you guys soon, everybody. Love you guys.
0: Thank you, Pastor J.B. and Pastor Simon for that inspiring message. Once again, if this is your first time visiting us, please text new to 604 255 or visit mythrive.info. Thrive has prepared a Thrive stainless steel water bottle for you. Did you receive Jesus today? If you did, congratulations. Text BELIEVE to 604-285-570 or go to mythrive.info and click on I want to receive Jesus Today. Five has prepared a gift with great biblical content for you to enjoy while also getting answers to some of your questions about God. And if you want to be baptized or have questions about baptism, go to mythrive.info for more information. Bradley, I heard something exciting was happening next Sunday, May 16th. Do you know anything about it? Hmm, oh yeah, TDS. What's TDS? It's Thrive Discipleship School. It's where you can build a strong foundation and learn how to um, how to grow into a relationship with God. Really? I want to learn more about Jesus. Can we sign up too? Unfortunately, it's for adults only. Ah. But my mom and dad strongly recommend it. I can't wait to grow up so that I can take this course and learn more about Jesus. Me too. And if you want to sign up for this course or learn more about it, go register at MyFive.info now. If you still have questions or not sure if this course is right for you, join us next Sunday at 1245 for a TDS Q&A. Did you enjoy in us today? Elise and I really want to invite you to join us online next week at 9.30 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. for episode 6 of the Waiting for Sunrise message series. Once again, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the week, and to all the mothers and grandmothers at 5, A happy Mother's Day. Bye!